0: The apostle Paul says, unto me, who am less than the least of all of God's people, was this grace given, that I might preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Amen. God's word for our sermon today is based upon the fourth gospel, John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, the gospel reading for today that was read to you earlier my dear fellow believers in Jesus Christ and the sign said long-haired freaky people need not apply so I tucked my hair up under my hat and I went in to ask him why I'm sure some of you remember that that rebellious song from the 1970s by the five-man electrical band You know, you still hear it sometimes on oldies stations in the Milwaukee area once in a while. The songwriter didn't like all of the the messages he was getting from all of the signs that were around him. And so he's saying, sign, sign, everywhere a sign, blocking out the scenery, breaking my mind, do this, don't do that. Can't you read the sign? God gives us... A sign in our scripture text for this morning. In fact, that's the word that the Apostle John uses throughout his whole gospel to describe the miracles of Jesus. And we have his very first one right here recorded in our scripture text for today. Jesus changed water into wine. But just like any sign that you see today, the the sign by itself is not nearly as important as what the sign says to you. And so also the fact that Jesus changed water into wine, that's not nearly as important as what that miracle said to his disciples. And by transference, what that miracle still says to us today. So God wants us all to go home from this church service today and to remember this about Jesus' very first miracle. And the sign said, first off, see Jesus as God's glory. And the sign said, put your trust in him. In our scripture text, Jesus and six of his new disciples are invited to a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Cana was a neighboring town to Nazareth where Jesus had grown up. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. It seems as though Mary was being asked to help take care of some of the the social arrangements with the wedding. Now, wedding celebrations in those days went on for days Sometimes a week or even more. And the only adult social beverage available back then was wine, huh? And in this case, a major blunder had been made. They were running out of it. You know, this would be a huge social gaffe, right? It would be a big-time embarrassment to the family to run out of wine at the wedding. And so Mary comes to Jesus and she says to him, they have no more wine. Now, why did Mary come to Jesus? Because she knew who Jesus was. She knew he was the Messiah. She remembered the words of the angel that had been spoken to her when she had conceived Jesus. She recalled the visit of the shepherds to his birth there in the manger at Bethlehem, and to the Magi when they came to their house in Bethlehem. And she remembered the 12-year-old Jesus telling her, Don't you know I have to be about my father's business? Mary came to Jesus because she trusted him as the Savior. And Mary expected Jesus to do something about this problem that she had. That was an act of faith on Mary's part, to come to her own son and to ask him for help. Jesus replied, Dear woman, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. Or perhaps a better way to translate these words of Jesus from the original Greek would be, Dear woman, what do you and I, what do we have in common? See, Jesus is not being disrespectful here. He's not rebuking Mary. He's not putting her down. He's just telling her that his role as the Messiah is his role alone. That he alone would do the work of saving the world, and he would do all of that without Mary's help and without her cooperation. Mary, the mother of Jesus, does not participate in the work of salvation. She does not help Jesus save the world. Mary is not the co-redeemer. She's not Jesus' helper in that sense. Nor is she someone that we can pray to so that we can get closer to Jesus. He alone is the savior of sinners. And he will do his work in his own time without Mary's assistance. And so Jesus proceeds to do his thing. He has the servants fill six stone water jars, big ones. They held 20 to 30 gallons. And he has them filled with water, and then he turns the water into wine. And not just any old gut rot, $5 a bottle wine, but as master of the banquet indicates, the very best wine possible. This was a miracle. This was a sign, huh? This action said something to the disciples who were with Jesus. And here's the message the Apostle John says, this sign said to them. It's written in our text. Jesus thus revealed his glory. And the sign said, huh? See Jesus as God's glory. God's glory is his honor and splendor as God. God's glory is that which makes our jaws drop in amazement and wonder. God's glory is that which makes us say, Wow! Isn't that neat? Isn't our God spectacular? Isn't he awesome? Isn't the Lord an awesome God for us? We see glimmers of God's glory in nature. And we see glimmers of God's glory in mankind. Every star-studded night displays God's glory. Every golden sunset and golden sunrise eh, displays God's glory. Every spectacular scene in nature screams the glory of the triune God. You know, serving congregations as a vacancy pastor around the United States of America... Wow, I have seen the glory of God in this beautiful country of ours that God has given us to live in. Plus, we do see glimmers of God's glory in ourselves, in our own bodies and minds. When you study how people can think, how they can solve problems, how creative our minds are, how our bodies work, how mankind with all of his gifts can can do some pretty amazing things. We have to cry out with King David in Psalm 139, I praise you O Lord for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh yes, there are glimmers of God's glory in nature and in us. But they are only glimmers. They are only small partial demonstrations of God's glory. Nature and the natural knowledge of God that we as human beings have inside of us, they can never tell us about a God who loves us and forgives us all of our sins. Mankind's mind could never come up with the notion that God himself would come to this earth, live in our place and die on a cross to take away all of our sins. The knowledge of God in nature and in ourselves can never rescue us from the death spiral we have of our sins that we are trapped in by nature. Mankind needed God to reveal himself more fully in a different way. He needed God to reveal himself in a whole different pattern for us. And that's what the Bible does. And the sign said see Jesus as God's glory. If you really want to see the glory of God, you must look at Jesus Christ. If you really want to gaze deeply into the heart of God, you must hear and receive by faith this good news, this gospel of our Lord Jesus. For only in the perfect life of the baby of Bethlehem do we see God at his glorious best. And only in the the suffering servant of Golgotha do we see God's awe-inspiring splendor. And only in the blood-covered head of Jesus and the blood-stained face of Christ do we encounter this, this mighty God and all that he did for mankind because you see he did that for you He did that for me yea he did that for the whole world our Jesus has lived the perfect life for us and he's died our death for us even when we hated him God reached out to us and he declared us forgiven even when we wanted nothing to do with him before we ever prayed or thought about it, Luther says. That was love. That was awesome. That was glory. So we ask, does this truth still thrill us? Do we just crave to hear our God tell us we're forgiven? Are we keyed up to come to worship services sing our lungs out, and sit at the foot of the cross? Do we feel a a twinge of joy and pleasure at just hearing our pastor, God's representative, say, God, our Heavenly Father, has had mercy upon us and has given his only son to die for us. And for his sake, he forgives us all of our sins. He has removed your guilt forever. And on Communion Sundays like today, are we really keyed up to come forward, get out of our pews? and receive the very body and blood that Jesus poured out for us for our forgiveness? And are we determined through Bible study to know the basic message of each one of those 66 books of the Bible that bring this Gospel to us? God wants us to be. God wants us to be thrilled that his real glory is found here in the Gospel. He wants us to be thrilled that his real glory is revealed in this congregation, in this building, at our Savior Evangelical Lutheran Church, in the good news that is preached and taught and shared and lived and embraced with one another. For that is always the focus of Jesus' signs to us. Throughout the whole Bible, his real glory is always in this message, my son. My daughter, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Now, signs don't do any good when they're not followed. If you're driving down the road and the sign says, curve in the road ahead, 25 miles per hour, and you keep on going 55 miles an hour, my friend, you're going to have a problem, right? Right? you may go straight into the ditch the sign didn't help you not because the sign was no good that was fine eh? but because you didn't listen to it and so also Jesus signs his miracles they call upon us to read them and to believe in them and to follow them and the sign said put your trust in Jesus And notice how Mary, Jesus' mother, did that in our scripture text. Again, we read, Jesus' mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Mary put her trust in Jesus as her Savior from sin. Mary believed in Jesus as her Messiah. And while we ought not to pray to Mary, or worship Mary, or honor Mary as someone who helps us get closer to God, we should honor Mary as the mother of the lord and eh? as someone who believed in jesus and obeyed him mary is a spectacular example for us of faith and how christians bow to the authority of the word right that's word made flesh jesus himself and we are to follow her example of trusting him that's what the sign did in our text for all of jesus disciples Again, verse 11, we read, Jesus' disciples put their faith in him. All of Jesus' miracles did that for the disciples. This just happened to be the first one. And so, when Jesus healed the servant of the Roman centurion, when he fed the 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two small fish, when he walked on water. huh? When he, when he raised J- Iris' daughter from the dead. When he made Lazarus' body dead for four days, his body already stinking. Huh? When he raised him back to life, all of those signs created and nurtured faith in people's hearts. Yes, the miracles of Jesus were signs, but it is totally proper to think of these miracles as the Word of God connected to actions. And as the Word of God, those miracles, those signs spoke to people. And they called upon the people to react to them in faith. And the sign said, this Jesus is worthy of your trust. This Jesus is someone that you can believe in. This Jesus is a Savior, that you can take at his word in absolutely everything that he says. Put your trust in him. The word of God always calls for a faith response on our part. Nobody can ever be neutral to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nobody. You either believe it or you don't. And God definitely wants you to believe it. Every word of it. And so we should never study the Bible, this word of God, to just find out some interesting facts and tidbits of information. We should never read the Bible just as some piece of good literature, although it is that. And we should always study the Bible to find Jesus there and his gospel there. We should always read the word of God so that Jesus' love comes to us and builds us up and makes us love him even more in return. That's why our God has given us this book. It is to speak to us, to grab a hold of our hearts for time and for eternity. And so, my friends, go to God's word and put your trust in Jesus as you hear it. Open up your minds and open up your hearts and open up your wills to this gospel glory of your God as you find Jesus there on all the pages of Scripture. When you hear our Jesus say, God will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. Trust Jesus to send his holy angels to protect you as you drive on these roads around Grafton, and as you deal with all of your health issues. And when you hear your Jesus say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want, trust Jesus to provide the medical care you need as the years go by. And when you hear this Jesus say, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, trust Jesus to stay with you as you go off to work, off to vacations, off to college, off to all of your social arrangements and gatherings. And when you hear Jesus say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the things you need for this life will be given to you as well, trust Jesus. He will give you enough to live on, even if you get laid off from your work, or you can't find work, huh? And when you hear your Jesus say, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And trust Jesus to help you get through a death or a funeral. Whether it be your own or that of a dear loved one. This is why God has given us his word. It is to build us up in our faith, our trust in Jesus. Isn't it true that sometimes in life we major in minors? It's like Mary in our text. We, we get all wrapped up in some problem that's going on that specific day. We become sort of, sort of myopic in our vision. And we can't see the big picture. Now, I'm not suggesting that these daily problems we have are unimportant. They are important. And they need to be dealt with but we're really not coping with life the way God wants us to cope with life if we run around like chickens with our heads cut off, huh? putting our noses to the ground and trying to deal with our daily problems in some sort of survival mode with all of our own resources see, our Jesus is not somebody that we can conjure up when the wheels come off in life and then put him back on the shelf when things are going okay We need to go back to Jesus, go back to him daily in both the bad times and the good times. And we need to see Jesus as the glory of our God in our lives. We need to go back to Jesus' gospel words to us that assure us of his amazing love and his promise to us that he will help us in everything we are facing and that he will make everything work out for our good. Oh, the problems and the crises and the difficulties, they're not going to go away we will find, then, new strength to cope with them if we but fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And the sign said. When you drive down the road today on the way home, look at all the signs and the billboards clamoring for your attention. They all have their own messages that they're going to scream at you, right? Interstate 43 turn right here lane ends merge left quick trip exit now huh oh yes sign sign everywhere a sign but unlike the song from the 70's Jesus signs don't block out the scenery and break our minds huh it's just the opposite the signs of Jesus reveal him as God's glory and the signs of Jesus cause us to put our trust in him amen